Welcome to another Fasten Like Nails podcast. I'm Mark Hamby, and this is part three in the studio with me is Professor Smith. Good like to that. be here, Mark. I like that name. <laughs> Otherwise known as Colin in uh, our circles. Rebecca to my left, one of our Master Guild students. Caleb to her left, another Hello. Master's Guild student. And our co-host, the one and only Molly Mayo. Hello. Okay. So the last segment was pretty amazing. I loved it. And it, <laughs> it wasn't going in the direction that we, any of us anticipated. No. We talked about God hearing our prayer and suffering. why, why does he love suffering? suffering. So, um, and we talked about Shemuel um, and that meaning heard of God, right? Yep. Okay. And then you talked about the contrast of Saul and Samuel and Hannah. What and was that all about? Hannah and Eli and... Uh, the idea of the whole book, the concept of the, the whole book revolves around is people who who are have a relationship with God and communicate with him and are heard by him and uh, people who are not, like Saul. And Saul, would you, would you think Saul would be an unsaved, unregenerate person? I know we don't have an answer for that. Yeah. Um, so Saul's an interesting character. We've been going through in a character study of Saul. So um, Saul's interesting. At the core of the story of Saul is he, do, he, ref, he does not hear and obey God. Mm. And so this is why Saul loses the kingdom. You know, it no, has nothing to do with David being handsome and good-looking and a warrior and he's so great. You know, um, the real reason Saul lost the kingdom is he refused to hear and obey. Mm. And so you've got to take that into account in, with him and his relationship with this God. So mm-hmm. um, he's a man who, who at his core, um, his flaw is he's a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's always trying to please Samuel or maybe his um, his uncle or he's trying to please someone. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to please the people. You know, he's mm-hmm. listening to their voice. He's not listening to the voice of God. So ultimately he obeys the voice of the people and spares the cattle and the best of, of the Amalekites and ends up losing the kingdom because he didn't hear and obey God. He heard and obeyed the people. Where does a people... A, a people person, a, a, a please, people say? pleaser, a yeah. people pleaser, <laughs> a purple people pleaser, yes. a people pleaser. What does, what do they look like if they continue in that direction? What's the end result of a person like that? So the end result, ironically, is that a people pleaser ends up making everyone mad. Mm. The very thing they set out to do, they can't do. So if you're a people pleaser and you set out to please people, everyone's going to be mad at you mm. and you're not going to please anyone. Mm. Um, and the difference is David's goal is to please God and mm-hmm. to obey God. And so David, in doing so, ironically, that's what's so magnet- magnetic about him and makes people love him mm-hmm. and be so happy with him. And it pleases people. Because when you're following someone, you don't want someone who says, what do you want? We'll do what you want. Yeah. What you want is says, this is what God wants. Follow me as I follow God. Mm-hmm. And then you're just drawn to that person's mm. leadership. He doesn't always have people loving him. There are times that they wanted to kill him. Yeah, and that's part of following God. At times you're going to make choices that don't make people happy. Mm. But ultimately, um, for Saul, what we learned today is that which, what we have, we all have character flaws, these little cracks in our character. What happens is as you, as you hit stress, as you hit adversity, you have opposition, uh, an opponent, mm-hmm. and you just run up against life. Sometimes it's even success and um, good fortune. Mm-hmm. All of these things come into Saul's life, and they get into the cracks. And what we see is the cracks grow. And as the cracks grow, um, Saul 
ends up becoming more sinful. And then the character flaws end up becoming sin issues. Hmm. So out of his desire to please people, we see he displeases God and God rips the kingdom from him. And then Saul starts to get fearful and he doesn't go out to battle. He sends other people to do the battle. He's afraid. We see Saul becoming moody and emotional Mm. and he's upside down. He's this, he's that. And he becomes, essentially, he gets this troubling spirit from the Lord. And that's why Saul is so hard to pin down because at one point Saul does prophesy. And the Mm. proverb is, is Saul amongst the prophets. Um, Now, prophesying does not make you saved. And it's not necessarily a domain of a saved person. I mean, you look at Numbers 22. There's a donkey who speaks. <laughs> and Balaam, who, who's desperately trying to sell the word of the Lord and can't, he prophesies. Hmm. So um, the Lord can put his, his words into a fish or a donkey or someone war, way dumber like Balaam. Um, but, <laughs> but Who says nay. Yes, who says nay. <laughs> That's my, one of my favorite stories. And in... Um, in, in um, the part where Saul disobeys and Samuel says, what is this baying of the sheep I hear? Mm. The word what is ma. <laughs> it sounds like a sheep. It's wonderful. <laughs> isn't it? Okay. okay. What I'd like to do, I, I've got a question. During this time that Saul is advancing and his character flaws are turning into sin, where's Samuel through all of this? So Samuel is still a judge, um, a legitimate judge of Israel. Mm-hmm. He's still a man of God. He's still a prophet and a judge. He's technically the first prophet because he has a king attached to him he's speaking to. Oh, interesting. Samuel is in Ramah, and it says in the Samuel story that's where he is. But he's going on a circuit. You know, he's he's going to here, he's going to there. Um, so he's he's attending to his judgeship at the same time, and he's going around. But um, let's 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 do this. Let's back up. Yes. Let's back all the way to Samuel. So we we we've already into Saul, and I, yes. I like where we are. But let's. I want to know a little bit more about Samuel. This is the book of Samuel, Shemuel. Yes. And let's find out from the time that Hannah, you sh- last time you show the contrast between Hannah and Eli. Hannah was, um, looks like she was drunk on the outside, but she's crying out to God on the inside. Yes. Eli looks great on the outside, but he's corrupt on the inside and mm-hmm. his sons. So what is, now that Samuel, <laughs> Hannah gives her son away. Yes. Which is incredible. Yes. You know, how many parents actually do that? They actually, you know, they, they give their children to the Lord. I don't mean, like, we don't do it the same way today as we did back then, but they, they um, what's the word? Um, not sacrifice. They, Keep their oaths. <laughs> yeah, but what else? You, you dedicate. dedicate, you dedicate yeah. your children mm-hmm. to the Lord in a real sense. Yeah. You know, I did that. I did that with my, with my children. And my hope, my prayer is that they will give their entire heart, mind, soul, and strength to the Lord. Mm. So what happens when Samuel, she gives her son up. So this little boy is there without his real mom. He doesn't have a mother figure. No mother figure. Being raised by this fat priest. With a lot of crazy, unhealthy women hanging around and too corrupt Older Son. figures, Hophni and Phineas, wow. and Eli, an old guy who is not paying attention to any of it and okay. almost I'm, turning a blind eye. I'm pulling my kids out of there. Amen. You think public <laughs> school is bad? <laughs> Should send them to Eli. Was, okay, so the, I, I don't like the scene. I'm at, I, I made a covenant before God. I gave my kids over to this, but it's not turning out the way I wanted it to. Yeah. My kids are coming out of there. And I'm not well, keeping them there. There's something interesting in that, um, the covenant that Eli... Um, Eli overheard. Did he really hear it? He didn't hear anything, did he? Mm. She made it with God, Mm. and only her and God heard it. 
And she believed God heard it, and so did Elkanah. So Elkanah says, you've made a promise, an oath, you have to keep it. Mm. It would have been so easy for her to have spoke and, and spoken to God and made an oath mm-hmm. and not kept it. Oh, yeah, like, okay, now the Lord really gives me this. But, I mean, I just spoke a little rashly. You have this baby. You couldn't, you couldn't have a child, Rebecca. And then you told the Lord, if you give me a child, he'll be yours, and I'll give him to Lamplighter. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's more, too, is interesting. Um, what's, what's, more, what's also very interesting, we talked about it in class, is there's another, there is a twin of Samuel in the Bible. Did you know that? No. Samuel has a twin? No. Really? No, you're making this up. He does. He does not. He does. Is it? So there is there is a prophet, and what oath does does Hannah swear? It's a Nazarene oath. He's from Ephraim. Where do you have a Nazarene oath from Ephraim? Is it Samson? Samson. No way. Yes, Samson and Samuel are like polar opposites. Hmm. <laughs> they're they're judges. The last judge in the Book mm-hmm. of Judges is who? Samson. Samson. Who's the first judge after the Book of Judges? Samuel. Samuel. Hmm. Shimshon. Shamuel. They both sound oh, very similar. That's Samson. Yes. Huh. So they're two judges. They both take the Nazarene oath. Mm-hmm. They're both from the hills of Ephraim. Both of their mothers are barren. Barren, childless. <laughs> and both of them <laughs> miraculously are given a son from the Lord. Uh-huh. One is set apart and totally set apart. Uh-huh. And the other is supposed to be set apart but keeps going down to the Philistines. Mm keeps going down to the Philistines. One is perpetually holy. He is, he, Samuel is straight as an arrow. Samson is about as crooked as any judge you can think of, <laughs> right? And Samson is wild and out of control and all of this stuff. And, and Samson dies and, and he, he dies and it's even selfish the mm-hmm. way he dies. Mm-hmm. Samuel. Taking, taking other people with him. You mean? Yeah. And mm-hmm. Samuel delivers Israel. He's stable. He serves. Mm. And you see, they're almost polar opposites, but I think those two people, those two are twins, but opposite twins. And no not, one, in a, not in a real physical sense, but in no, a but spiritual in, sense. In a storytelling <laughs> sense, mm-hmm. it's basically the same story twice. Wow. With mm. different results. Um, so you've got, you've got Samuel. He's this judge. And, um, and, you're, and he's, he's taken the Nazarene oath. So mm-hmm. he can't shave his head. He can't drink alcohol. He can't touch anything defiled. Mm-hmm. Right? And as far as we know, he does all of those things where mm-hmm. Samson breaks all the rules. Yeah. But the difference is, is Samson has a good Jewish mom and dad who raise him right. And they're just like, why are you going Whoa. down with these foreign women? Unbelievable. And then Wait, Samuel. Time, time, time out. Do you guys get it? Mm-hmm. You, know, so. you got it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So Samson has a godly mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Samuel has a godly paternal mom and dad, but the people raising him are not godly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, it's a complete opposite. Opposite, yeah. 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 And oftentimes what we see is that God will he'll pluck people from the fire, mm-hmm. like a brand plucked from the fire. And he'll take people and he'll put them in a situation so that they learn to rely on him. Mm-hmm. And so how many people – I know my father was this way. His, the mm-hmm. home he grew up in was not the kind of home I'd want my kids to grow up in. Mm-hmm. But at six years old. Sunday school, he gave his life to the Lord, and he said, I'm going to be a pastor. And he read his Bible, and he prayed, and when he got old enough, he went to Bible college. And you would have not, have, you would have not thought a pastor could come out of that home. Wow. But he did. The Lord plucked him from the fire. Mm-hmm. And that's so, so true. It's not, now, this is not the 
average case. This is the exception. Mm-hmm. Um, and you still want to be godly parents because we see mm-hmm. godly parents producing godly children all <laughs> yeah. throughout the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. This is an exception to the rule, not the rule. But the idea here is that God is putting Samuel in this house and he's going to use this child to do great things. Mm-hmm. So the entire course of history the judgeship of Samuel, which leads to the anointing of David, which leads to the line of Messiah, the whole history of Israel. Who would have thought it would hinge on one barren woman in the house of the Lord Mm-mm. crying out to God? Mm. Wow. Our That's prayers crazy. are important more mm-hmm. than we know. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That's really awesome. Okay, so Samuel is born. She gives him to the temple, gives him to Eli, this yep. fat, ungodly priest. Mm-hmm. With Who his... is also a very confusing character. Saul, Eli, very confusing characters. Yeah, you don't know whether they're really living for God. I mean, they're obviously not living for God the way we think they if, would. If you don't know they're living for God, chances are they're not. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, so, and so you have this. So Elkanah is actually the one who goes to her, and she's you know she's still weaning him, and she says that's her husband. Yes, uh, it's, uh, Hannah's husband. But she Elkanah says, "Do what seems right to you, but we're going to keep our oaths in this house." Mm. So Elkanah he he, exp- he he displays extremely godly character, but he also that shows something that there is a, a little bit of tension of putting this young child into this house. Mm-hmm. But she trusted the Lord for him, and she has to trust mm-hmm. the Lord with him, and that's the case with kids. So practically speaking, um, parents that are listening to this, a lot of homeschool parents that are listening to this, yeah, and they tend to put their they uh, last last uh, um, teacher we had here called it bub- bubbles bubbleizing them, mm-hmm. bubble wrapping, <laughs> bubble wrapping, yeah. He's, he said bubbleizing bub- our, our kids, putting yeah. them in a bubble, um, and you know, and, and there's different views. I mean. Mm-hmm. I know there's there's different views of putting your kids in public school, Christian school, homeschool, and um, I'm I'm learning that you know for me personally I don't I, I don't think a child should be learning the you know the educational system of the Philistines, um, the Canaanites. You know I think that you know I want my child to have the mind of Christ. I want them to learn all the amazing stuff that God has given us mm-hmm. in this world. There's so much to learn from the scriptures and mm-hmm. from you know from from nature, just from what God has given us, kindergarten is is the is a kind and gentle learning, and a, you know it's a it's a child's kind and gentle learning. And 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 when it, the phrase first came out, it was actually in Germany, and the children were actually learned in a garden. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where education started. It started in a garden. They literally had gardens to do this. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so so how do we approach this? This idea of our children, when we want to protect them from everything, I mean, how do you how do you guide your child? What's the what's the most important thing that we can allow our children? Because your children are going to have friends. They're going to be. You can't just oh, you're not going to be around that child anymore. You're not going to be around that. Next thing you know, you're <laughs> bubbleizing them again. Did you did you Molly? Did you have that in your home life? Were the, you bubbleizing? Bubbleizing effect. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think it was super intentional that they were like, we're going to be protective of you. I just, I had a lot of family, like a lot of cousins and church family that we just hung around most of the time. So it wasn't even like I was super exposed to any of that. Mm-hmm. Were you spanked? Yeah. Okay. That's why you turned out. <laughs> really I, just, I keep thinking of the homeschool, uh, the, the um, firstborn homeschool theme song. <laughs> As I walk through the garden alone, 
<laughs> Sorry. So Caleb, sad. how about you? Were you bubbleized? Um, no, I actually went to public school for band, and then I went to public school for sports, and I did co-ops all throughout my life. So I was mm-hmm. homeschooled, but then went to private school in um, high school. So you, you you were able to be with other kids. Mm-hmm. And was it was it hard? Or did they influence you? Was it? No, but I definitely saw the, the character difference and just the life difference because they they came from broken homes. I mean, they come home from school and. One one or both parents are not home, mm-hmm. and so they immediately either go to video games or social media or something like that. And so it's like, I got to see the the depravity of of what a broken marriage looks like and mm. what the result of that. And so it was like, actually encouraging that my family was not going along those uh, the, mm. those paths. And so um, maybe they influenced me a little bit, but not to the extent that. <laughs> The um, the homeschool moms tend to mm-hmm. think that they're going to influence their children. I, I find that kids that are influenced, they're going to be influenced at some point in their lives, and it mm-hmm. it, it it surfaces the mm-hmm. real us from the inside out. And so it's either hide it now and surface later, or surface now and deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're going to continue to hide it. And so I think it's good for parents not to be blown away by the things they see coming out of their children. Those are the opportunities to say, I get to work with something now with mm-hmm. my child, help them to overcome this mm-hmm. sin issue mm-hmm. rather than, you know, trying to, you know, hide it or slay it, you know, because mm-hmm. we're all going to deal with sin issues. And so if, if it surfaces, that's an opportunity. If a child sees his home as a refuge rather than a prison, mm-hmm. you know, the child's going to be more apt to discuss some of the issues that he's having rather than hide them. Mm-hmm. How about you, Rebecca? I think, like Molly said, it wasn't a p- intentional, we're going to keep you from all the evils of the world, but mm-hmm. there was some more out of a desire to protect us, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were seven of us kids at home, so we could play with each other. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there weren't, there was, there were times when we didn't have a lot of outside friends and influences. And I think I could see good and bad from that. What are you going to do with your children? Uh, great question. <laughs> I would probably homeschool them. Yeah. Because I don't want them to be taught what I know is being taught in the public schools. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. My daughter, when she was 16, um, she said, Dad, she goes, the local cafe um, wants to hire me to uh, serve coffee there. And I looked at Jennifer and I said, not a chance. You are not going to be in front of all those people and looking at you. I will bubbleize you until the rest of the, you know, until Jesus returns, you know. And, and that created such division and strife in my home because it was like, because I, I couldn't trust as a parent, mm-hmm. you know. So the, the, the sad weakness was on my part. So what do you say to parents like me? Well, what's interesting now, and this is super interesting for me, is that if you've seen the public schools and the, the, the plastic shields and the face masks. And you talk about <laughs> bubbleizing, right? Mm-hmm. No, interesting. You see the world right now on the face masks and the six six mm-hmm. feet. I mean, we've spent the, we've all spent the last six years bubbleizing, mm-hmm. and the public schools are the biggest bubbles with the all the you know the stuff they put up and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how the, you live long enough, you you see things that you mm-hmm. never thought you would see. Um, but I think when you're talking about Samuel. But but and, a, but a fearful parent is, because yeah. Alkanah has got to well, step up to the plate because he's sensing something's going. Yeah. So th- when you're talking about a parent doing what's best for their kids, mm-hmm. um, you keep your oath to God. Mm. You know, when you make an oath, you keep an oath to God, and that's a sign that that you have a relationship with that person. Mm. Like Saul at one point makes an oath, a rash oath, that he's going to kill anyone who eats, and then Jonathan eats, 
and you think, oh, no, he has to kill Jonathan. He Jonathan ate. And then he just kind of like the people said, no, you can't do that. And he goes, OK, I guess I'm not going to do that. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, but it's, it's interesting when you talk about protective parents. Um, I think Elkanah and Hannah both knew what they were sending their child to. Mm. And this is a unique instance where they knew that God had to protect him. Mm. Mm. And, and that's kind of what it comes down like to. Moses being sent yeah. down the Nile. You, know, you can be wise and do everything you want to mm-hmm. do, but at the end of the day, God is the one who's mm-hmm. going to protect, mm-hmm. guide, lead, mm-hmm. and, and, see, and, watch, and watch over your child, and that's who you want to do it. Okay, mm-hmm. so Samuel's there. He's it's a kid. He's yeah. a child. I don't know how old he is. What, 10 years old, I'm going to guess? Uh, so he was waned until he was two. Is what it was saying. Okay, so it's somewhere <laughs> between two and three, maybe. So when does oh, he wow. hear the voice of God saying Shamuel? So he's got to be old enough to walk. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he's probably old enough to hear and listen. And it keeps. There's this beautiful passage between the story of Samuel hearing God's voice, and he says, "Here I am," and and that's also ironic when he says, "Here I am." Do you know why he says that? Why? Mm-hmm. Here, O Israel, your Lord God is one, the Shema. But anyway, all that to say. What? What? The Shema, Deuteronomy. Anyway. All no, 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 that's good. Let them know. Let um, them know. Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, there's a beautiful passage called mm-hmm. the Shema. And Deuteronomy says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one. And shall love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm paraphrasing. I don't have a Bible in front of me. Mm-hmm. But um, the idea here is there's all throughout this book about hearing. The Shema means to hear. Mm-hmm. And so there's all sorts of references to it, like Goliath comes out when they would have recited the Shema, sun up and sun down, and they're listening to and hearing Goliath instead of the Shema. And it's a kind of symbolic of how we listen to and hear the world instead mm. of listen to and hear God. Mm. And how the, the, they're trying to fill our spaces oh. with their threats and their things, and we're supposed to be listening to God. Okay, so time out. We're in the midst of uh, the second COVID crisis. Everyone, everyone's in alarm. It's amazing. I've watched people from no masks in the grocery <laughs> stores to now 80% masking. Um, which people have to make their own decisions. There is a virus out there, and people that are vulnerable, maybe they do need to have masks. I don't have a problem with that. But the whole society is flipped upside down again. So what do you think people are listening to, Molly? Uh, the, as far as where are they getting their truth? Yeah, well, I mean, they're listening. So people are changing the way that they're living right now. Mm-hmm. Someone is speaking into their lives. I think what, news what, has a lot to do with news? it. News? networks, okay. social media... Friends, family. Mm. Caleb, any other sources? What are people listening News, to? News, friends, family. I, I think it's society. It, like when you go to the grocery store, it's if you don't have a mask on, oh, you're ostracized. Mm-hmm. You, They give you either the death glare or you get yelled at or they won't even check you out. Like you can't get your groceries at a certain grocery store, which they – granted, every grocery store has the right to. Right, yeah, right. And we're not putting that. people down for wearing masks. That's fine. Oh, people no, can yeah, choose what they want not. to. Any idea where people are getting their – their information from right now. Mm. What do people like? Get in your car. What do people? What do people do? First thing they do when they get in their cars. Music. Turn the radio on. Right. Mm-hmm. So that the yeah. the music they're listening to, you know, the lyrics that are being, you know, going through the the radio waves today. Even Christian music doesn't say a whole lot today. There's just no depth anymore. Um, any you, know, you got CNN. Even Fox News is supposed <laughs> to be a conservative news. It's it's I've. I've listened to it enough. I've watched it enough to see that it is that there is a there is a a um, philosophy behind it. There is a um, a plan. It's 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 even though CNN would be the opposite of Fox News, they both damage the way people trust God 
it's it's a det- um, deleterious effect on people's minds, hearts, and souls right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we have a program called um, Media Detox. Mm-hmm. We're going to be starting that soon. <gasps> And we're awesome. going to get churches to commit to 30, 60, or 90 days. They can choose whichever one they want, a 30-day one, 60-day one, or 90-day one, where there's a complete shutoff of social media. We've wanted media. to do this before, but we've had a really hard time figuring out how to market it. Yeah. We're doing mm-hmm. it right now. Because it's social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think what's going to happen when people detox from from the media, from the news, from, from movies, from from everything, and they start to, what's going to happen, first they're going to go through some real serious withdrawals. Yeah. And then after that, though, once we start filling them with things to read, things to listen to, things to write. You, you know, I, I have a prediction to make, and I, I might yes. be wrong. We come back and visit it. I think the number one thing that they're going to find is they had no idea how much fear they were filled with. Mm. Oh, wow. Because uh, with Israel, Goliath is filling them with fear instead of mm. faith. Mm-hmm. They're not listening to the Shema. They're listening to fear. Mm. And so I, I would venture a guess that after a week or two, you'll see a marked difference in not even knowing that you are on threat level red mm-hmm. constantly because mm-hmm. of the news. And you're constantly afraid mm-hmm. and fearful. And then fear is really interesting because fear skips into anger, doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it fuels all other types. Conflict and relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even Christians, I've seen so many Christians right now full of fear. And anxiety, and and just and, and and it's it's just coincides so much with listening to media, listening to news, mm-hmm. listening to this mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. and you know you almost want to ask them, is it helping? Right, and it's not. Is this helping your walk with God? Right. Is this helping you? Mm-hmm. Is this really helping you? And I think a lot of people would have to be honest. Answers no. Mm-hmm. When we were in the middle of the last um, podcast. Um, I said that um, in the end of Jeremiah, there's a wicked king who's in prison for 37 years. Um, miraculously, he gets out. His name is Jeconiah or Jehoiakim or Coniah. It's all three are the same name. And um, and God curses him and says he'll never have a son sit on the throne of David, and he'll never return to Israel. And it says it'd be better if you were th- – I'm going to cast you and your mother. I'm going to hurl you out. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So he's gone. Chapter 22 of Jeremiah, he is cursed. And God promises, not only am I going to curse you, I am going to ratify this curse with a signet ring on my right hand, mm. you know, stamped in hot wax. Yep. So God says, irreversible. And that, when it's stamped, it's irreversible. Yep. And so Jeconiah, Coniah, Jehoiakim, all the same person, that's the last time he appears in the Old Testament mm. until Matthew chapter 1. He appears again. Mm-hmm. And guess how he appears? In the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Mm. Mm. Yep. And guess what he does when he's in this genealogy? It says that he has a son, and he names his son Sheel, TL. Yeah. Which is what? I asked God. Mm. Mm. You know, and, and even someone that is a, so, so badly off, someone that has done so many horrible things, He's in yeah. prison. Miraculously, God redeems him, and here he is. He, yeah. God does allow him. The reason that God allows him to not be under the influence of the curse anymore is, is this is really cool. In Matthew chapter 1, there are three, geneal- three sets of genealogies, and they're supposed to be um, 40 in each one. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that right? 40? Better look it up. Matthew chapter 1, 
It says, and these are the genealogies. And then very, I think it's chapter 1, verse, um, at the very end of it, it, it says, and there are 12 generations, 12 generations, mm-hmm. 12 generations. Matthew chapter 1. Yeah, down mm-hmm. to, I think, like, tr- verse 12 or 13 or so 14. So, they were saying Sheltail meant uh, I asked, asked God. God. Yeah. Wasn't that very similar to Saul? Saul is asked for, Shaul. Or is it just yeah. asked for, not asked for from God? Shaul is to ask for something, okay. to be asked asked for. And it's a pun because the people ask for a king, uh-huh. and they get a king named asked for. Verses. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, and the idea is um, the, the people are asking and making a bad request of God, something mm-hmm. that God specifically said in Deuteronomy, you're going to do, and this is bad. They ask for a king. Why did God answer it then? Um, he tells Samuel exactly why, because they're, they're not rejecting Samuel. They're rejecting, rejecting God. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. And God outlines for them seven he wills. And every he will is what the king will do. Wow. And, and each one of those things he does, and they still ask for him. Mm. And Even God, God warns them, if you really want a king, this is what's going to happen to you, and they yeah. still want a king. Yes. Oh, it's, it's almost and, like, and, when, we listen to this, it's <laughs> almost like, I want to be married so badly, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But... This is what you're going to face. I still want to get married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's every marriage counseling session ever. Yes. Yes. This is why, you know, they fall into idolatry because they want to fit in. They want to be like the world around them. They don't want to be distinct. And the, the real irony is that God gives them first the king they ask for. Then he gives them a man of his own choosing, David, a man mm. of his own heart. And it isn't until David that they experience some success. It's weird that so God chose David, the people yes. chose Saul, and then it, it. I mean, I don't want to make this sound sacrilegious at all, but like, why would God give them a king if that wasn't His original plan? Like, if it was oh, ultimately uh, going to be the Jesus. lesson is: be careful. Sometimes God gives you what you ask for. Yeah, that's huh. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be careful. The worst thing God can do is give you what you ask for, yeah. like marriage. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to get just... me married. Get me married. I want a husband. I want a wife. And then you you're, you have one, and it's like. Lord, can I can I return can I return this to the, to the store, please? It's broken. And, and it's not bad to have that prayer answered. It's just you want to have that prayer answered in God's timing, not yours. Mm-hmm. Yes. The hard part is waiting for the right person. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and you know the thing is, is like when people should be asking for more of Jesus, mm-hmm. they're asking for more of the stuff that's they don't need. Mm-hmm. And, and that's you got to be careful what you ask God for because He knows what you need. Mm. Okay, let me better fin- than let me, you know what you need. Let me finish, uh, Jehoiakim. <laughs> so there's 14 generations, three sets of 14 generations in Matthew chapter one. Uh-huh. Okay, but in the third set, there's a missing generation. There's only 13 in that set. And guess who is mentioned twice? Who? Jehoiakim. Oh. Jeconiah. Jeconiah is mentioned twice. So the first time he's under the curse. He's he's before they went into Babylonian captivity. Yeah. He's a dead man. He in God's eyes he's cursed. He'll never have a child to sit on the throne of David. But because he asks God, names his son, Shealtiel, mm-hmm. I asked God, I asked God for forgiveness. God restores him out of prison, and now God places him in the third set of genealogies, and he is mentioned a second time. Now he's a new man in Christ. Yep. And now God allows him to sit on the throne of David and to have a child, which in the genealogy of Christ. And no mm-hmm. life is beyond God's redemption. Yep. God gives us... You might want to call it second chances, third chances, fourth chances. If we will do one thing, call upon the name of the Lord yep. to mm. be delivered. Amen. And it, and uh, that's amazing. So so to get back to Samson and the story of Samson and Samuel, 
Uh, you got these two people. Com- they're very similar. They're judges, long hair from the same tribe, Weird. same region. One is in a seemingly good situation and ends up being very wild. Uh-huh. The other is a seemingly bad situation, ends up very good. So the key is Samson, Samson had godly parents and so did Samuel. But Samuel's godly parents were at home and he was in the house of Eli. So while he's there, his mom is making garments for him. Mm. She's going to visit him. She's praying for him. Mm. She's still showing him motherly love. And as he's being raised up, there's this continual phrase, the boy ministered before the Lord. Mm. He served, he ministered, he served before the Lord. And there's a key to that where like her prayers are being answered the entire time. So it's not just God answers her prayer and delivers her, Samuel. He answers a prayer and he keeps Samuel Mm. walking, serving him, keeps him, preserves him in the midst of this wicked house. Mm. So I think think Hannah's prayers are answered not just with the life being given, but they're answered with the life being kept. And so often we're so interested in the birth that we don't realize that parenting doesn't stop at birth. Mm -hmm. Mm. Praying for your kid doesn't stop at birth. Mm -hmm. You got to keep praying for them like every day. Mm -hmm. And and I think the faithfulness of Hannah is really seen in the godliness of Mm. Samuel. Ministering to them all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he ministers. Where does he learn to minister? Where does he learn to sit and minister but from his mom who's ministering to him by bringing him garments, praying for him, serving him. And he's in this house and it's so wicked. Mm -hmm. So wicked. And it's not the—I mean, this is not the place you bring a kid. Mm-hmm. You don't even bring your wife to this place. It's so bad. Like, you want to stay away. Like, literally, they're standing at the door, and they're saying, give us your food or we'll beat you up. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the pastor standing outside mm-hmm. and running people's pockets and threatening to beat them up outside of church? Mm-hmm. This is what Hophni and Phineas are doing. And in the passage, if you read it again, you're going to see a contrast between the wickedness of Hophni and Phineas and— the ministering of Samuel, the faithfulness of Samuel. And at the root of it, you can see a contrast between the wickedness of Eli turning a blind eye to sin and the faithfulness of Hannah and praying for her little boy and the the righteousness of Hannah. So you're going to see the condemnation of Eli is directly, it's a direct opposite of the praise and the song of Hannah. And it's interesting because Hannah's song has a messianic note. It hmm. talks about the horn of the Lord's anointed. Hmm. Oh, wow. In Psalms, they have one like that. Yeah. Oh, I think it was 148. So, so, so this idea all culminates in this, in, in this in, in you have the first chapters, Hannah and Eli. Those are the main figures. And then you turn to Samuel and him raising up. And there's a story about how Samuel becomes a man. Hmm. Let's hold on to that one. We're going to wait for that one. We'll, we'll <laughs> wait to the next one for that one. Uh, because I think what we've done here, I think to summarize... We have Shemuel, mm-hmm. heard of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have Shaal and Shealtiel, I've asked God. Yep. And asking God for the right things. And then I'd like to leave the listeners with this this picture. Is Hannah is you know, she's making the clothing for Samuel. Yeah. I think every each thread that's going through that she's knitting, I just kind of picture her saying a prayer. As, as each mm. one's being woven together into a blanket that she's making or mm. some clothing that she's making. Mm. I think that is the key to this whole thing. She, we're praying for our children. It, it doesn't stop every day, throughout the day. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what it takes. Yeah. And she, she is trusting in the Lord. She's mm. resting him. She's trusting in him because she has spoken to him. She's listened to him and she's trusted him. And that's a gracious spirit, a Hannah. 
the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. And I think that that our prayers are like those knitting needles, weaving something together for a covering so mm-hmm. that our children will be delivered. I think God he- God definitely hears our prayers, but it's the righteousness our, asking us for forgiveness. Just like that man in Mark chapter 9, you know, the Lord was telling him, you know, he said to the Lord, Lord, if you can do anything, have compassion on me and have mercy on me. And the Lord looked at him and said, if you can. Mm. Um, the Lord can do anything if you can believe mm. and trust me. With that said, um, thank you for listening to another Fasten Like Nails podcast where we're trying to ignite a fire to know God intimately, proclaim him passionately, and enjoy him infinitely. <laughs> um, we'll look forward to spending more time in part four of Shamuel mm. in the book of Samuel. God bless. Join us for an interactive mystery dinner theater hosted by Lamplighter Ministries at 27 State Street, Mount Morris, New York. Enjoy dinner and a show as actors and guests alike try to solve The Secret on State Street. Performance dates include November 26th and 27th, December 3rd and 4th, and December 9th and 10th. Doors open at 5.30 p.m. each evening. Reserve your seat today at lamplighter.net or call 1-888-THE-LETTER-A-GOSPEL. Join us for a world-class musical stage performance, the retelling of John Bunyan's classic, Pilgrim's Progress. Join Christian on his journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city, encountering life's trials along the way with the king always by his side. Watch the physical world and the spiritual world collide on the stage through music and dance as this captivating show draws audiences to think about the deeper questions of life. Hosted by Lamplighter Ministries at 66 Stanley Street, Mount Morris, New York, November 11th through the 14th. Admission is free, reservations required. Visit lamplighter.net or call 1-888-246-7735. Again, that's 1-888-the-letter-A-Gospel.